0: Welcome to Offline Investments Unplugged 2, a brand new segment of our podcast where we answer your frequently asked investment questions. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I've got uh, Rennie Sanger here, Off-Plan Sales Manager, and uh, the topic for this episode is how to spot a good investment opportunity. Um So uh, with that, let's jump straight into it, Rene. Um Thanks for joining us.
1: No, pleasure. Thank you for having me. How to spot a good investment opportunity is a great question. It's one we get a lot of. Um, for me, a big one is its uniqueness. What makes it a bit special? What makes it stand out? Um, why this one over maybe different options that are available in the market? Is it one of many or is it maybe something a little bit new to the market? Sure.
0: And I guess that makes a big difference with potential for capital growth, right? So, I guess the main reason for looking for something that's a bit different, that's very quality, what other other factors would you say would be uh, Um, important there?
1: There's there's so many different layers to it, right? So I think, yes, that's a big argument for capital appreciation. Another one, ideally, you'd have it coupled with that is done by a really good developer, a developer with a big name in the market, yeah. ideally a proven track record for not only building, but actually timely deliveries. Um, so that, that, you know, of course, we can name a handful of developers that we tend to work with here plus a bunch of developers that we perhaps don't really work with as well for that matter. But the, I think that's a big driving factor behind not only the capital appreciation argument for it, but also the return on investment.
0: Sure. And, okay. to and are there any other factors that you'd look at? And obviously it's not as simple as just saying, you know, in a, in a perfect world, you say, oh, well, let's just go with that developer. But there's lots of different layers to it, isn't there? So so yeah. firstly, you're, you're, I'm sure you're completely right, picking the right developer, Um Picking a project that's unique, that's maybe not got too many units that are too similar, Absolutely. to reduce your uh, to reduce the uh, you know the supply of, of such a similar product. And then in terms of payment plans, does that affect
1: the Huge, position? huge. And um, it's funny with payment plans; they do differ from project to project, and sometimes from developer to developer. You know, some developers would have a kind of almost a uniformed approach to their payment plans, and that'll be across the board. Whereas some will maybe related a little bit more specific to the project but from an investor and maybe the more our uh, european counterparts maybe prefer something where the higher amount is payable on handover where someone could take a mortgage whereas different cultures have maybe sometimes different ideas where some of the developers have payment plans where those payments are a little bit more frequent yeah. and they run all the way up until handover but you have the assurances that it's a big enough name and you know it's going to be built to a really high quality
0: Okay, cool. So I think yeah, it, as you've already touched on, it makes a makes a big difference as to where as to what your you know your uh, plan for the for the investment is, isn't it? So you know if the if it's going to be something that you wanted to flip, for example, you may yep. well be looking at paying you know with going with a payment plan with a lot less upfront, absolutely, yeah, and a higher amount on handover. Yeah, because obviously, of course, if you plan to keep it and you had the money in the bank anyway, then you might not mind so much about absolutely. as you t- touched on paying ten percent every three or four months, for example, and uh, with a much smaller amount on. On handover, agreed. And okay. really, uh, would there be other, other any other points I should be looking out for in, uh, like, in search for the right project?
1: For me, a lot of the ones that I would look to maybe gravitate towards as well, especially when we're looking at our argument for. Capital appreciation mainly, but also good ROI is a good floor plan. And I know I touched on the fact that maybe something a bit more unique, but some developers maybe offer a configuration that's not so much the norm. Uh, An example of that would be like a two-bedroom plus maid, which a lot of the big developers don't actually offer to the market, which I think is massively needed. I mean, I live in a two-bedroom plus maid myself, and I've had to choose the developer on that merit because yeah. it works for my lifestyle but a lot of the big developers as much as i'd love to live in their property is just don't offer it to the market so i, it. that's I think it's a big point,
0: one actually i think mean, people don't necessarily think about it do they i think no. over the last certainly over the last four or five years as pr- yeah. prices have started increasing um units tend to have got smaller and smaller i mean what have you noticed Definitely. in regards to that
1: massively right and and i've I kind of describe it as your more Arabic-esque sort of development. So we're talking maybe more of the kind of Nikhil-style builds. Yeah. As we know, they're a bit more sizable, perhaps lacking in terms of this more modern amenities where, again, maybe our European counterparts are probably more used to. Um, whereas I think your Emoz and your Ellington and some of the other developers have really focused in on that. And, and some of these really good independent developers are now coming out of JVC who are always kind of followed suit but you don't often get the sizes that you once used to.
0: Yeah. And I guess it's a lot down to price per square foot. Obviously, everyone's competing, aren't they? And Definitely. Two things, price per square foot and obviously the total unit cost. Yeah. And people do tend to go, you know, how much is a one bed, how much is a two bed, don't yeah. they? So, so I guess that's, and try, in, in the constant search to get the price point right yeah. and increase the price per square foot, unfortunately, the one thing that happens is the unit gets
1: smaller Something smaller. has to, yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: I guess well, that's, uh, you probably touched on the fact that, you know, in terms of capital growth, that's not great. I mean in terms of rental return it, it works doesn't it because you've got a one bed and it's you know you pay, less service, or or whatever. You pay less service charge, yeah. you get higher ROI but that does probably negatively impact your, your potential for capital growth doesn't it because I the end by like itself doesn't want to buy that you know?
1: I think it does and it depends again almost culturally but also if you think if you look at the wider spectrum what I've found is a lot of our clients I know I keep saying it now but a lot of people coming in from Europe are almost accustomed to almost these slightly smaller sizes whereas I think if you've been here for a few years or perhaps had the pleasure of seeing some of these more Arabic type of accommodation you've almost been too privileged, whereas a lot of people from the UK or, you know, in Europe, yeah. maybe you'll start to see these sort of two bedrooms inside of 1,100 square feet. I mean, your, your average three-bedroom Victorian house in the UK is about 1,500 square feet. So it's actually not a bad size, if, depending on what the user's going right, to use it for, right, right. Against,
0: think, right? It depends what part of the world you're from, doesn't it? Correct. Certainly from certain parts of Asia, you know, if you go yeah. to China or you go to Japan, Japan especially where real estate's yeah. so expensive, yeah. you go and see a bedroom and, you know, three walls three walls of the beds <laughs> touching three walls isn't it so it is, so i right. think you know it, it completely depends on what you're used to and which part of the world you're from doesn't it yeah yeah no brilliant okay is there anything else that we should really be looking out for because there's so many developments aren't there and it is quite confusing probably even for us where you've got launches happening all the time yeah if you were to have to pick one that you would say right that's the best if you know that's that's the one to go for yeah um are there any other factors you think that That we've that we've missed there. That you obviously got the developer, you've got the payment plans, you've got the floor plans, which is obviously so so important. Finding something that's actually going to be a nice unit on when it's actually finished, rather than just on a bit of paper. Is there anything else that we've?
1: I think it's just trying to have a almost a combination of it all, right? I mean, it's uh, there's so many ways you can skin a cat, as the saying goes, and, and I don't think it's an exact science. It's really. Possibly, if you reverse engineer the process, it's actually trying to figure out what your actual strategy is here. Whether it's capital appreciation to potentially flip on handover, before handover even, or if it's to get, you know, decent ROI. Sometimes we have a lot of clients who, you know, do want this to be their family home, but with you that, look, we're all expats here. And until they start giving up passports, we may one day need to retire to wherever our home is and sell. And the idea is to be able to sell it not only being able to enjoy the last maybe decade or so living there, but also making a tidy little bit of profit in terms of appreciation as well. So a master community for me is a big one. Ema obviously pioneered that and historically, well, for me, are probably the best at it. And you've seen a lot of developers now try to kind of almost duplicate that or replicate that sort of master community that they've really kind of homed in and made themselves a name on the back of so if you can kind of get a combination of everything you're doing really well
0: that's it I mean a lot of these properties they all look nice when they're brand new but ultimately at some point they're 10 or 15 or 20 years old and I think you're completely right EMAR are probably the longest track record in the UAE for, uh, for, for building communities and managing them and making sure that they're maintained and kept up to that standard and actually the project probably hopefully gets better and better in the future rather than rather that's the opposite, right? No, exactly. It's a big difference to your investment as well.
1: And I think you only got to look at Emirates Living and, and Arabian Ranches as a true testament to that. I mean, 20 years on and people still flock to these areas, possibly Arabian Ranches, maybe even dare I say it, the most Sought after villa community in Dubai,
0: um, definitely you, popular, you, right? Yeah, no, I'm yeah by, but I'm a bit biased. Biased. I've been there yeah. myself. But, but any, and arguably, yeah, you can. I always say you can change, you can change the house, but you can't change where it is. So I can, right. I can relandscape my garden, but yeah. obviously all the out landscaping around that's outside the four those four walls, you you can't obviously change. You can't change the location. You can't change the community management Agreed. aspect and the security and the fact that they cut yeah. the trees every every couple of days down the street and you know mow the grass and look yeah. after the place, which is obviously. Yeah, which is obviously so important to making it a nice place to live. And uh, the, the, other, the other thing we've seen recently is a huge rise of branded residences, service departments, yeah. you know, um, they, they, all over the place, right? We were just are, yeah. earlier, this, you know, in, in, in all Emirates as well now. Is, yeah. is that something that,
1: that people see value in? I think um there's certainly value in it, right? So there's, there's an element of you've now got the developer having to not only perform at their own sort of standard, but now adhere to whatever the brand guidelines are set out by what would otherwise, at least typically, be a prestigious brand. And they would obviously have some sort of contract in place to say that if we're using our name, you have to do X, Y, and Z to reach our standard. Well. It could be... For example, there's been JVs or joint ventures, should I say, with Jamira Hospitality Group. Now, that also means you're using Jamira trained staff that are actually greeting people at the doors that are offering their kind of services and so on. So what that means for the user is you're getting a really high standard of living, which then sets it apart from the... Many, many options or the vast options that are available in the market. So you do pay a little bit more for it initially, but you'd like to think that it offers you a little bit of longevity in terms of its upkeep, but also making it a little bit more stand out in the market.
0: Mm. And I think certainly in, in in Dubai is obviously a city that's been dubbed as a sort of ultimate luxury, hasn't Absolutely, it? So yeah. I, and I guess those you know those hotel brands or those you know luxury brands in terms of this some you know car brands for example, there's yeah. some fashion yeah. brands yeah. and there's different things, aren't yeah. there? And I guess obviously for the investor, it's really important for them to decide which of those really is luxury. You know, you mentioned yeah. Jumeirah, obviously having a you know long-standing uh, reputation here in the UAE and, and all around the world now. Yeah. Uh, best hotel, you know, some of the best hotels in the world you know the world's Hands only seven down. star hotel yeah, yeah, yeah. so so i guess that's the certainly one that's up there yeah um and in terms of an investment i guess if they pa- partner up with some of the best most reputable developers then hopefully you've got this sort of dream package there
1: correct exactly you just want to how do i put this to be very tactful you just want to make sure that the partnership is almost aligned with the developer who's partnered with them so to speak so mm. the developer themselves should really have a proven track record as well not just the lure of the big brand that they might be associated with
0: no I think that's a good point I yeah. think it's a slippery slope isn't it that you yeah. could potentially pay a lot of extra money you know on top of what the Absolutely. real real estate value is because Definitely. it's branded and it's sort exactly, of, yeah. and not maybe there's the old expression that all that glitters isn't always gold or whatever and, yeah. uh, and I think to be honest yeah you probably people should be a bit careful yeah. paying a massive premium for something and you know, unless it really does offer that, you know, it ultimately it, it's, it's the end user that's going to experience definitely that luxury, isn't it? I yeah. think wh- one of, some of my some of my most shrewd yeah. investors in the past have always said. Um, they would only buy a property that they would live in themselves which I think is probably quite it comes back to things like the floor plan and the community and all, the, all those aspects yeah it's probably quite a sensible way of looking at it you know for them that they would only buy the property if maybe you know if if all went wrong and they'd sell all the other 10 they would go they would happily go and live yeah
1: as- and I think that's, that's I think it's a really logical way of looking at it right And I, again like you said whether that's the floor plan whether that's the master community the developer I think there's so many offerings in the market and some as you said not everything that is glitters as gold and some payment plans in the market are almost too good to be true. But um, so, as yeah, the saying true. often you gotta goes, you got to be careful,
0: right? You've got to be, right? Yeah, so
1: I think on the same merit, yeah. if you can get all of the other kind of points that we've already outlaid, a combination of all of them, and almost have that foresight that, look, if, if absolute worst comes to worst, technically you could possibly live in it yourself, you'll do well later on because the idea is whether you're looking to sell it or rent it out, the person that's going to eventually occupy the property will much prefer something a bit more practical and there's a chance that if you like it someone else will probably like it later on as well
0: true No, I think that's very sensible so um after all that uh, yeah it's uh, clear as mud isn't it really (laughs) so so many so many so many different things if you created yourself a checklist you'd end up with a long list wouldn't you Um, and I guess ultimately uh, yeah it comes back to the fact that dealing with the right person and uh, hopefully dealing with someone who's got you know got that experience and really cares about your investment to make sure that you do really well in the future yeah Um, and certainly obviously we're very much involved in helping people manage units in the future and whether it's short or long term leasing property management uh, all the way through to a resale at the end to make sure that they you know generate the return that they're supposed to you know supposed to so definitely i think that wraps it up nicely ready well thank you for joining me today and um look forward to the uh, next episode pleasure thanks for tuning in if you've got questions for our next episodes leave a comment or drop us a message on social media find the links in the show notes below